everyone and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. Now, not to assume the age of the, per- the people listening to this podcast, but for those who can relate, um, I have a question for you that I'd like you to think about. Do you remember your early 20s? And if so, can you imagine going through that phase of your life with things as they are now? And if you are in your early 20s, how are you doing it? This week, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with three young women who have had an interesting experience for their early 20s. They started university at the height of the various protests going on in South Africa and continue to do their postgraduate education in the middle of a pandemic and now at a very interesting time of their lives as they're starting their careers finishing off school and doing all their great stuff we sit down and talk about how they're navigating life under the current circumstances and the kind of things that are impacting them as gen z's that may not have been things that if you're not a gen z if you're like me a millennial you may have thought about or experienced or are seeing because we all know Um, At a younger age, you see things so differently. So instead of trying to think back too much about how I would do things, I just thought it would be fun to sit and talk to people who are in that position and are currently doing things. So yeah, I would love to hear what you think, what you can relate to, and just, you know, your experiences in your early 20s and how things were different or how you're doing things right now. Please do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kim Nyajeka on Twitter. And as always, I would love for us to keep the conversation going. So, yeah, let's get into the episode and I hope you enjoy. All right. So in today's episode, we are talking about being in your early 20s in this economy. And I'm here with some very, very special guests who I would love for them to introduce themselves now. So let's go around. Hi, I'm Mandy. Hi, I'm Chipo. Hi, I'm Tatenda. And we are the Trinity. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, so Chipo, Mandy, and Tats have been friends for, I think, pretty much our whole lives. Mm, um, almost. And why I thought it would be fun to talk to you guys today was just about, you know, a lot of the episodes on my podcast so far have been about people in their later 20s and their later stages of life or really like starting their careers and everything. Mm-hmm. And you guys were born and are sort of navigating things at a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being like, you've just finished uni, you're on the right, you're still on the right side of 20. And I can't imagine what that must be like, because mm-hmm. I guess for me personally growing up, I felt like, especially when I was finishing uni, there was like some hope. Um, but you guys started uni at the height of fees must fall. I think even growing up, all you knew was like Zim struggle. Like they, I don't know if you have clear memories of the good times. I don't want to impose that on you. Um, but we're just going to explore that today. And because the season is going to be focusing on a lot of like economic inclusion issues, um, I'm just thinking about you know Gen Zs, really young people, and do they feel like there's room for them to? pursue the kind of dream that like society has taught us to pursue that you go to uni you find your person you get married you have children you do all of those things 
do you even feel like that's possible in the context of how you've grown up? So that's what we're going to be exploring. Yeah. All right, cool. So my first question for you is what has growing up in the constant uncertainty of the Zimbabwean economy being like? Tumultuous, to say the least. I think you just know that there's no stable ground, really. That's all you know. Um, I guess in a way it's made us feel like it's normal um, because we don't really know what it's like to be, to have just constant stability and all that stuff so in a way maybe it's a benefit in the sense that you don't feel like um well you know there's better of course you know there's better out there but to some extent you're a little more like ah, okay if things going sideways like it's another it's like it's always been going sideways so mm-hmm. yeah i think the constant uncertainty is that's what's constant the uncertainty mm-hmm. um i would say it's made as planners probably more than our previous generations i would say like we will go to plan a b c d and in between those plans find another plan beyond that plan so i would say it's just created a different form of anxiety where you've just taught yourself how to handle the uncertainty and how to plan um your life according to each different um circumstance you could find yourself in yeah no i agree with both my friends yeah it's been like Especially the idea of planting roots, like our parents used to have that kind of certainty that we don't have where, okay, you get out of uni, you're kind of guaranteed some sort of form of employment, Mm -hmm. and then you can start a family, you can figure it out. Us, it's kind of like you're nomads in this time, and you're just trying to find some way to plant roots, but then it's like a catch-22 where sometimes okay, I'm here for some time and then I'm not here for some time. Like going to the UK or something, you're like, okay, it's nice to be in the UK, but then you're away from your family. You're away from your friends. You're away from a lot of your parents. And it's kind of, you're always sacrificing something. And I guess that's life, but it seems more difficult for us than it was in the past. And do you feel like upward mobility is possible and by that i mean like okay you start off you know a young person and you grow up in a normal financially kind of stable household Mm -hmm. and you go to uni and your intention is of course is to get a job to build your own stable household to do all of those things Mm -hmm. do you think that's possible now for your generation especially without like political connections or knowing someone who knows someone in all honesty, for me, I feel like that's near impossible. Like it's a it's a dream that um, for that to happen because even you speak to a lot of people, you hear no, I've maybe never come across someone who that's been the case for them that they've been like starting up now and you know you maybe got your job just like based off of your own merit and are making headway in the space you're in in just based off of your own merit without any sort of connections in any kind of way and so for me like that whole thing sounds like crazy in a way because it's it's it just doesn't sound possible it's like to be able to do those same things in terms of like um progressing and um then being able to uh, get a car, get a house, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's like you need to find so many different avenues and unconventional things to do to make that happen. It's not like, oh, I got a degree now, I can get a job and etc. Like, even if you do manage to get the job, 
I mean, is that job going to be able to do those things? Most likely no. So it's like you have to find a lot of um, roundabout things and, yeah, unconventional things to kind of make that work. I don't know if I could call it a luxury because maybe it's a right that maybe Zimbabweans, not a lot of Zimbabweans have access to. But I feel like if you're overseas, it's a lot more realistic than it is if you're here in Zim. I will say that it is possible, but without having political connections or a connection in that, you know, it's very much merit-based from in certain economies. But whereas here, you do need to pull on a full string, a few strings. But what I will say is, I think. 98% of our generation can't do it without the assistance of our parents. So it could be not getting the job, but just getting started or um, getting property or when you finally get married, assistance with the wedding or whatever form it comes in, you will always, in my opinion, have to somewhat lean back on your parents, even if you have the good job and you have this and you have that. And I think that speaks to the fact that your roots are not at home because you wanted that better life. And so you can't, you're kind of juggling two places at once. That's if you have the luxury of being overseas. So basically, if your parents don't, can't give you generational wealth, or you don't have access to generational wealth, and not like multi-million dollar, mm. but just like your parents have stable, mm. you know, lives and valuable connections, mm. then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, there are some people who I don't doubt there's someone who's done it without the um, help from their parents and whatever, but it's tough. I will, mm-hmm. I'll, I think it's unrealistic to say like everyone who's started has started on their own. Like everyone has had to have some sort of assistance in mm-hmm. some shape or form because at the end of the day, you are a foreigner on foreign land. Yeah, and I think for us, we like what Mandy said, it's like you, you're not going to get it from one job, like one unilinear job, you know. Mm-hmm. You see side hustle after side hustle on Instagram. You see people really working for it. And I must say, even though it seems less possible to have upward mobility in our generation, the people that are winning, you're actually really congratulating them, like, whoa, you did that. You know, when everyone gets to another level with social media, mm-hmm. we're able to congratulate each other because it's so hard. It seems... Especially being African, mm. I'm not going to lie, it seems nearly impossible mm. to, at my, my age, my parents had a house, yeah. you know what I mean? They had kids. Mm. To even think about that, I'm like, where do you start? <laughs> where do you go? Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to pay for this child? Yeah, and I think this is also um, a thing coming from us who are considered extremely privileged mm. in the circumstances, who where the way we grew up, where we live, even Mm. just having the time to sit down and have this conversation, Mm. it's like we're the quote-unquote like the 1%, Mm. um, and we don't even feel it. Like, it's not advantageous. And I think also we're kind of resting, not resting per se, but really depending Mm. on the work that our parents have done, and that's sort of what's sustaining us, Mm. which I don't think it's sustainable because I think with generations it's not i don't think it's a sustainable model that after our parents we're starting from scratch Mm. or it feels that way at the very least and i mean there are all these other economic and social factors which force people who think that you know my parents are wealthy or if their father was the breadwinner or if their mother's the breadwinner and their father was being a typical patriarch and Mm. stealing the money all that kind of stuff and then one of their parents die and they find out the truth about their situation and they have to start from scratch and then they also don't have the mentality to be like oh i need to cushion my kids so that they don't have to like it's a it's a really 
I kind of, it's kind of a scary process to think about mm-hmm. because I don't know very many people who can say I have a trust fund, I have whatever to springboard from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people around me at the very least, it feels like all of us are not starting from ground zero, but we're just starting from where our parents have set things up. Yeah. But like that's also not a solid foundation yeah. because of the circumstances mm. because it's like a culture like yeah with the only thing we kind of inherit is that work ethic exactly yeah. that's yeah. like the only thing that drives mm. it's it's kind of like a survival mm. hustle you know mm. where each generation is just trying to i understand by saying to survive sounds naive because someone else you know uh, may see it from a different perspective but our definition of survive in terms of you know you want a uh, home you want stability and that kind of sense and sometimes it feels like it's something that's really really hard to attain yeah it actually I, you kind of always look at it and you look at your parents and you're like how can i let alone do what you've done for me by myself like without if i took away all the comforts do what they've done let alone you know parents always say i want you to do better than yeah. you how am i going to do better than you cuz i can't even like by myself do what you've done but it's not that they haven't given me the tools to do you know even more than they had when they were starting out but it's just literally the circumstances, circumstances that yeah. now having a degree or um you know that kind of stuff it it feels like it means less and and it's worth a lot less because it's like yeah okay i have it then what where am i starting what am i holding what am mm-hmm. i going to be able to do with that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah no and i think the segues nicely into the next question i have for you is how do you think the current economic circumstances will impact economic inclusion for young people especially young women your age and younger by that what i mean is because you know people can't afford to retire pensions have been like pretty much made worthless mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who are older our parents age really holding on to jobs mm-hmm. um in the episode i talked about you know the formal employment episode i talked about the kind of toxic work culture mm-hmm. where they feel like okay i need to really put down young people because i feel threatened by them i feel threatened by their potential but with the ever changing world fourth industrial revolution future of work all of those kinds of things do you think there's actually room for inclusion in these current circumstances do you think that there is space for you to figure out your life but also contribute meaningfully to the zim economy but also if you were to immigrate to immigrate can you as a young woman someone younger feel like you can go to another country and also make valuable economic contributions i think um in the zim space it's it's difficult um to feel firstly okay you as the person in the space feeling the motivation to to work around those kinds of obstacles you face in the in the different spaces you find yourself to 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 become included is it it kind of gets eroded by the the everyday zim issues so you find yourself focusing more on things that should kind of be a non factor and and your attention and focus kind of gets um uh taken away from uh being able to to prosper in those spaces th- to the level that you would want to or you feel like you would in another maybe in a foreign foreign country or whatever and and also like you're saying i mean just the spaces you find yourself in whether it's in in formal employment and stuff like that the 
atmosphere and um, just from the couple of places I've worked in, I've you know, you don't feel the sense of like people are really trying to drive you as well to be to 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 reach new heights or do better because like you're saying for them it's more of a thing of like ah we're trying to keep the money to ourselves and make sure what i'm doing is um secure and like you guys coming there from the bottom like yeah that's on you like do 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 what you can do but yeah so i think there's very little room actually to be to 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 feel included in my opinion i would actually say I personally don't think it's inclusive. Um, I would say, especially the fact that we're young, um, most people, unfortunately, society, um, I would say more in Africa, looks towards you like, okay, especially if you're recently married, they're going to start looking at what if she has kids, how much time off is she going to take and all that. So I'd actually say for our generation, I feel like they would pass for someone who's a little bit older or probably already has their kids. And even then, um, she'll probably have a few biases against her in terms of what if she has an emergency with the kids and all this. So I feel like already it's not inclusive in general for our generation, but then it makes it so much more harder being a female and then also at the same time trying to climb up that corporate ladder, which is why I see for us as our generation, I actually see informal employment being the more dominant um, income. Mm -hmm. I think people... Even if you have the formal employment, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to, you know, create different um, streams of income only because of the biases that women face. It could be beyond even, you know, a good paying job and stuff like that. It's just there's so many different um, biases you're fighting on a daily, which already makes it demoralizing. And I think, yeah, it just it's it's hard to be. Mm -hmm. inclusive especially when you aren't married and you don't have kids because people just assume let her start from ground zero no matter the qualifications and after that it's very hard to climb up the corporate ladder yeah no i agree with Shifu completely like these corporate place spaces are very much an all boys club mm -hmm. so as women walk into the space first you're young you're naive you're a girl it's kind of like you have so you you have to be so hyper aware of so many things at the same time and it's it's just not the same as if a man was walking into the space because he's more seen for his merit and stuff mm. and let's say you do climb up the corporate ladder if you get there too quickly they'll be like something was happening with her mm. and the you know mm. so it's it's very hard to contribute and basically be respected in those spaces that mm. you worked mm. so hard to get to and then but not to say it didn't happen you know, back in our parents' yeah. day. And at least now, like what you're saying, that you can now, with social media and stuff, we're able to kind of have our own authority of how we want to be conveyed in professional spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you think your social status or your economic status or your social class, mm -hmm. because we live in a society where class is a huge issue, mm -hmm. um, where you went to school, where you live, uh, how you speak, how you carry yourself, all of those kinds of things, whether or not it's just like you'd be driving your parents' car, which I think is most, mm -hmm. a lot of us, mm -hmm. or, you know, you have a job and like what Tatenda is saying, people will think like, oh, you know, something was going on. Sometimes people will be like, oh, but you know who her parents are? Do you know mm -hmm. who this is? Mm -hmm. How do you think that impacts your inclusion? I know automatically, you know, from a place of privilege, you have access mm -hmm. to a lot more things. Mm -hmm. But like on a social level, when you are in a work environment where your class sort of becomes an issue, mm -hmm. do you think that impacts like 
your ability to be able to participate in economic activities, whether it's formal or informal, because for informal, yes, you can say, I'm going to create this, but chances mm-hmm. are you have a parent or someone who has some kind of capital. Mm-hmm. You have time and data to be able to promote on social media. Mm-hmm. You know other people who have money mm-hmm. for what could possibly be a very highly priced product that you're offering Mm -hmm. but people also have money for really basic things as well and that puts you at somewhat of an advantage but we also know the culture in our society you know class really does impact it Mm -hmm. so how do you think in your experience your opinions where you've studied worked and everything class impacts that sort of economic inclusion well depending on i guess the exact maybe work environment you're in and if there are people coming from the same background as you who are also there but if you're in a space where majority of the people don't come from the same background you're in which i think is a large majority of like sim um, companies and all that kind of stuff um you you get looked at negatively in the sense that they're not viewing what you you being there and your work as simply based on merit it's a thing of um yeah you just got here because of your parents which i mean okay yes some it's a factor i mean if you got there because of a connection and whatever it's a factor of course but at the same time um you know you you would wish that you still wouldn't be viewed uh in in the light yeah yeah essentially yeah yeah, literally you wouldn't be judged just simply based off that so Mm -hmm. i find that it's i find it annoying to be honest um so my perspective is from an informal uh employment perspective Mm -hmm. so i sold what i deemed a necessity because i think that was the easiest thing and the classism was viewed in terms of people assumed for me it was a hobby like she's doing this because it's a hobby of hers in terms of she doesn't need the money her dad can help her out or this will you know things will be fine for her even though i was genuinely trying to do my own you know hustle my own thing um and so it really changed my target market a lot in terms of um you know everything is fine via text but once you show up in person and it's like this person drove and this person packaged my thing so nice it was like this is a hobby for her. And sometimes you would get repeat customers from those areas, but most of the time the conversation was never really about, oh, thank you for your service and stuff. It's just like, oh, of course she's going to give the standard of service. It's like she has the capital to do it, but no one really looks at the work ethic and you know the amount of thought that I put into making sure that whatever I deliver, I deliver good service mm-hmm. type of vibe. Mm-hmm. So it's... It, changes your target market dramatically mm-hmm. not because of your product is any less um special to one versus the other it's just how you are perceived as a person so that really bothered you so it wasn't that oh at least whatever these people think are making money it's like you wanted to be also perceived as an entrepreneur yes. in a certain way and i would say to a very large extent it was hard to get repeat customers mm. from um middle to high density areas um there was a time i went to uh, mavuku to de- a huge delivery and um, i was very grateful to the lady but it was a one-time delivery because for her and her perspective there was someone more deserving of it than me because mm-hmm. i had driven and you know she had assumed that i was using you know public transport and whatever and she thought she was really helping out a youth but it doesn't change 
you're still helping me. I'm not saying there's someone, you know, less deserving and stuff, but I put an effort to deliver. But for her, I think her whole point was trying to support the youth, but I wasn't the type of youth she was trying to support. Yeah, no, I agree, especially in the entrepreneurial sector. When um, my sister and I are renovating this house, and the the architect is always making snide comments. It's like you can never just be respected of wanting to, you know, have your own profession, make a way for yourself. You're not res, um, respected as that. They see, um, they hear how I speak, mm-hmm. then they see my size because I'm small, <laughs> and then they just automatically just don't respect you as your vision or what you want to create. One time. We were just having a general overview of the house where, um, where we were renovating. And then he said, like, a slight comment, like, oh, yeah, no, you can just get your mom and dad to come do this for you really quickly. Like, some type of an entitled comment where I just didn't think it was fair because we had been speaking professionally. We had never gone into the personal life or the aspects. So for you to just now assume my life, assume my character, and assume that, oh, I'm just trying to lounge around while my mom and dad do the work, I just found that very disrespectful. And it's just people think they're entitled to feel that way because of they think they know your background, where you come from, and that you don't have the same grind or the same thirst for wanting to achieve in this life as anyone else. It's, it's a difficult kind of spot to be in not being privileged Mm -hmm. that's not difficult Mm -hmm. not having access to things Mm -hmm. but it's like you also have the same sense of wanting your own yeah you have the same like the capitalism has drilled in us like you need to have a house you need to have a car you need Mm -hmm. to have this and that's not something you can shake off Mm -hmm. and pursuing that in the current circumstances is hard Mm -hmm. for anybody um it's not the same sort of struggle for everybody, mm-hmm. but I, what I'm getting, it's it, it, from you guys, it's also just, even for your generation, it feels kind of unfair that you assume my parents are going to pay for things or you assume that, yes, you will be taken care of, yeah. but it's not you taking care of you, you know, depending on someone else. I think after a certain age, like naturally, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. I can say someone as being someone on the other side of 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not that much. Not that much. No, no, no. There isn't a huge gap. It's, it's uncomfortable. Living yeah. at home is uncomfortable. And moving out is a great thing. And it's something I think about all the time. But at the moment, there's so much, like what we're talking about, there's a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it does feel like the only way you can live the kind of life your parents gave you or better is it, it doesn't feel like it's possible mm-hmm. here or by yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, okay, maybe when I get married and then now you're attaching that upward mobility to a significant other Jeez. who you've never met, <laughs> doing all of these kinds of things, like mm-hmm. just you being on your own, living by yourself or doing whatever you want to by yourself is not easy in any context although there are certain comforts and things and privileges that allow you to stay home there's also a drive and it it is i imagine it's not encouraging to feel like you know someone feels like you're not deserving so i'm not going to get your product or i'm not going to take you seriously because of how you've chosen to roll up here or Mm -hmm. how you're dressed or your t-shirt i'm going to project an insecurity or whatever it is on you and then also you know being at work you're like i want you just to take me seriously like i can I can read as well. I can produce good work as well, regardless of the situation. Like, yeah, you can justifiably feel I may have taken someone more deserving space, but I'm here right now 
and I'm able to do the work. Um, so yeah, that cannot be easy. Do you think it's possible to fit the quote unquote cultural mold of our society now? Um, I've just touched on a little bit how I personally have this desire to of financial independence, but I can't say I care that much for culture, but I know if I was living by myself in an apartment as a young and married woman in Zimbabwe, people would be like, yo, mm-hmm. how far, like, what is, when are what you is that married? girl? When are you getting married? <laughs> when are you doing this? When are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Do you think for your generation that fit, fitting the cultural mold is important? And do you also think it's possible? I think uh, it is possible, but I don't think many of us uh, are of that mindset, really. I think the things that we perhaps prioritize these days, it's very different to what what um, culturally or yeah traditionally would be the norm. So, I mean, in terms of like just bare bones going to like, oh, as a woman and, you know, you need to make sure that yeah, you're suitable as a wife and whatever, whatever. Like, that's very. I would. I think for most of us, that's very far down the list of not non-existent on our lists of priorities in terms of what you're striving for. So, I think that that there comes the clash with. I mean, older generations who look at us and think like, ah, you guys like. You're not, you know, conforming to, or you're not trying to fit these things that we view as like um, proper or the the kind of direction you should be going in. And I don't know, I, I can speak for myself, but I think a lot of people don't really mind going against kind of that, that perception. You try your best to like, you know, just not too much clashing, have too much clashing. But I think for a lot of us, you kind of have seen that your priorities and the things you want for your life are um, a lot different. And so you're a lot more comfortable sitting in that, not fitting that mold and and doing the things that you think and feel are going to be more beneficial to the life you're trying to build for yourself. Um, I would think, I would definitely say um, no. And I'll even go further and say most of the guys in our generation are actually looking for a girl who actually helps their hustle in terms of men today um, want a partner who equally is hungry, who equally wants to, you know, build that foundation. You know, many people are like, I need my queen to build my empire, you know, all those type <laughs> yeah, of uncomfortable yeah. chats. <laughs> but... But I think even beyond that, as, as an individual... Um, so I'm the only girl in my family. I've got three older brothers and there have been moments where I obviously will be treated differently. But I would say in general, when it comes to drive, financial independence, um, prosperity, all those things about like your future life, I've never seen the difference between me and my brothers. Obviously, they have a lot more pressure being, you know, how society views men. But in terms of me as an individual, I still want to strive for the same things that they do. And it goes beyond you know um providing for my family or whatever i also want to make myself proud Mm -hmm. so um i think for me that's the bigger picture beyond what uh society says yeah no i think there is a new traditional mode where you even see it all over where girls have to make their own but plus be cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids at the same time i think we see for me personally 
I'm more empowered now because we're now in a generation where more women are saying no to some things mm. that used to be like, you have to do this or else you won't keep a man. That was like the big thing. If you don't do this, you won't keep a man. We're now saying no to a lot of things. And now I find myself not wanting a man to fit that cultural mold as much as I want to have my own identity and my own purpose in our relationship more than it is just finding a man and fitting this mold and being a part of what society says is ideal. Yeah, no, I, I find it really interesting because there are a lot of conversations that happen uh, online, offline, everywhere about how culture is not stagnant. Like it has to be Evolving. like willing to evolve and change as society changes. I think um, even just economically, I imagine when societies were more nomadic, moving from place to place to place, um, culture was different when there were eras of empires across continents where one group of people took over this this what we call countries now and another then another powerful people took it over to eventually we got to colonialism all of that kind of stuff i think things were constantly shifting and changing to suit the new environments and i think that um it's unfortunate how some cultural norms appear to have like crystallized Mm -hmm. when as humans were constantly changing constantly evolving why can't the way we think about things see things see partnership see family see building in a different but also realistic light while also challenging some of those you know cultural norms because we've spoken a little bit about hustle culture for example i truly believe capitalism keeps molding to sort of keep the status quo while appearing to change the status quo and then now it's like okay right the economies around the world have done whatever it is that they're doing and they've been crashes and inflation so you can't just get one job Mm -hmm. now you need to get two jobs and instead of coating it as the system is unsustainable it's like now you need to hustle hard Mm -hmm. you need to be a boss babe or a boss bro like wake up early early, multiple streams of income blah 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 and that's the narrative changing but we need to like be like guys why is it so hard to afford basic commodities why is accessing these commodities hard but also why is contributing to an economy also so difficult why are some contributions way more valued than other contributions and i think we've also seen in this pandemic what's considered like an essential worker Mm -hmm. like i hate the narrative of you know lower classes of workers or a working class being like oh essential these are the heroes these are like no these are people and it really sucks that it took a global pandemic for us to see the value in the person who stocks shelves at the grocery store to see the value in service workers people who do cleaners all of, all of those kinds of things it really is unfortunate that the value of those things only became apparent when they were no longer accessible but these are people who are hustling who are working hard and it's it's very messed up. But on the other side of it, on the flip side of the coin, when you do go to the diaspora, like we mentioned, you'll get someone who's very well qualified, has multiple degrees, doing what we would call a menial job mm-hmm. or a lower class of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're still making much more money mm-hmm. than if you're here in Zim being a CEO. Mm-hmm. You will get, for example, a bus driver in Europe probably earns as much as a senior partner mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. And I know like the cost of living and all of that stuff is different, but to me that is wild. Because number one, what is the value of money? But number two, like, eh, guys, what is, like, how is this supposed to work? How is this even sustainable? Mm -hmm. And we're just okay with it. 
Yeah, you even see doctors and stuff that have PhDs going to the diaspora and doing those low-level jobs because mm. at least it's making more money for them there yeah. than it would staying in their own country, even though they're more than qualified. Mm. More than qualified. And I know it's not a thing, like it's not important to pursue things just for money, which I also think is a big um, capitalist oh, scam. That's a real privilege. Yeah. Scam. Scam. <laughs> wow. Um, but it is really sad that in a lot of developing countries, aside from Zimbabwe, that you can have such what we would call an esteemed job, mm -hmm. but not be able to live a sustainable lifestyle and have to continue hustling. Mm -hmm. um, but instead of challenging the systems that make it that way, we are promoting an unhealthy culture mm -hmm. that leads to a lot of burnout. Yep. And even burnout, not just from hustling. Guys, I have one job, but I get burnt out from just pressure that I should be hustling. I should be doing more. <laughs> like, when, when do you truly rest? Exactly. When do you honestly and truly get a break? Because it's, you know, like people speak about the brain, brain drain from Zim and... You know, everyone laughs about it, but I don't think people realize the extent that it's at in terms of it's also not utilizing an individual's potential. Mm -hmm. It's it's a bit like, in my opinion, it's wasted talent. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's something that, in my opinion, our culture needs to address very, very urgently. You know, obviously doctors now have the privilege of their own private practices, which okay. allows them to be at the level of income that... Um, not that they require, but that they deserve in terms of they've put in the work. But for other people who don't have the luxury of, you know, having the capital to do the private practice or whatever it may be, you know, you look for opportunities elsewhere. And it's just it just speaks to the type of life that you want. And it's, it's something that we desperately need to investigate and address. So um, my final question for you guys is, do you, how do you imagine building a future as you grow up now? Aside from just the idea of being home and settled requires at some point I need to leave to actually earn a living, yeah. have a savings and quite possibly come back, which that in and of itself is kind of like a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Zimbabweans and people who leave are like, no, I'll earn money and I'll come home. And it's like, mm. no. <laughs> it's I don't not, know how many relatives of mine have said that and they, yeah. they're they not came here. Back. They never came back. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, that's just me, though. Um, I'm not that much older than you, but how do you view your future? I think for me, it's the exact same. Like, literally not here, because the things I want, even just starting from just being independent, I, I, I can't, I don't feel like I can become as independent or any sort of independence um, here. So for me, already starting from that point, it's just this... I don't feel like I can achieve the things I want to achieve, have the kind of life I want to have where I don't... I mean, and you know, I always think to myself, like, even if I, you know, make a lot of money and stuff like that, the kinds of things I want are, I don't have to think about drilling a borehole or um, buying water. I just should be able to open my tap and know that water's coming out because I've paid my bills. Like, you know, it's like the little things like that. Like, even if I do have money, there's so many small inconveniences that I just think that... I don't know, I don't think I'm comfortable to, to settle for it, especially with the life that I want for myself. And I think as well, our generation is like, you grow up um, watching TV, maybe if you're privileged enough, having the chance to go on holidays abroad and you see nicer things, you see how people live in a you know, conventional like 
normal quote-unquote way and so for you now you I think a, a lot of us our minds were made up from a young age that I need to leave to be able to have any sort of sense of what I view as normal uh, life and to build the things I want to build so saying leaving here doesn't feel or sound crazy it's, it kind of seems like that's the norm for a lot of us our age mm. um, being here is more of a in between kind of thing maybe you're figuring it out or that kind of thing like a lot I don't find that a lot of people are looking to for the next 10 20 years of their lives be here because the kinds of things you're trying to establish you just don't feel like those are attainable um yeah so mm. definitely it's it's a thing of getting out of here but Monday, if you want what out of your tap register to vote Hashtag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to change it. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Be the change. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> right for that. Be the change. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think, you know, my future is, it's something that actually genuinely gives me anxiety to think mm. about, and I think that a lot of people relate to that because the world's always changing. I hate the fact that every time I have to apply for a visa, I don't know why it makes me so uncomfortable. It makes me like I shouldn't be in the circumstance. I shouldn't be stressing about, you know, the outcome and, you know, if I go there, what am I going to do in ETC? But to say Zim is sustainable at this point in time, it's really not. Um, it just, you can't be independent. You have a lot of inconveniences that, you know, most people don't. And I think we lived. We live in such a globalized world, and Zim just seems to just not be a part of that world. It's, it seems very, like, isolated almost. And I think it's only natural if you want to grow and become the person that you want to be that you also want to experience, um, you know, life in a different way. And eventually, I'm going to be one of those people that says eventually um, retirement age plus hopefully doesn't get to that stage. Mm. Um I would love eventually to have some sort of property back home and, you know, have a reason to visit frequently. But mm. at this point in time, while I'm youthful, full of ideas, full of drive, full of dreams, um, I, a lot of them are shattered here. Mm. And I want the opportunity to explore everything. You know, life is so precious. I just want to be able to say that I lived it to the fullest. Now I'm the same with Chipo. I'm of two minds. Like, I want to be a part of this global society, and I want to get mine. I want to get the money. Hashtag. You know, <laughs> I wanna. I want. I like things. I also want things. Um, nice things. Nice things. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So I'm of two minds, and I can know. I know that you only have limited access in Zoom, and when you're young, you you kind of just want to spread your wings and see what you can take. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, I also want to own, like I also want ownership. And that's very hard to do in the diaspora where you have no rights. I have a lot of relatives that have moved to the diaspora and they're still at the same job. They, a lot of them are kind of still at the same job with the same position they came into the country doing. It's very hard to be a CEO and own things mm. out there because they don't want you there. Mm. And you yourself know that they don't want you there. And you want to come home, but you can't. So I also want to own land. I also want to own property. That's actually what I want to base my profession off of. So it's of, I'm really conflicted to say, I know what I want right now. Not really. 
but yeah mm. it's very difficult yeah it also sounds with what you're saying to tender cheapo as well especially that it sounds expensive to be like i need to have a sustainable life there yeah but also build towards a sustainable life here yeah it's too much it's it's a lot to juggle you can't just be like existing mm. yeah. like yeah. it's hard to imagine a place where you're just like okay this is me. I'm just here doing my thing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you have to make a concrete decision of making peace with the glass ceilings and the limitations of yeah. living in a foreign country yeah. and also making peace with the uncertainty and the instability and the unpredictability of things here. It's like you sort of have to pick you know, it's a rock. Which a is where scammers on? come in. You know, fits. <laughs> it yeah, makes sense. It makes like, sense. and as yeah. much as we, um, I'm not saying that I'm going to become one, please. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, me. I'm just saying, like the, it's, it seems like it's a luxury now to just take a moment to be like, can I figure it out? Yeah. It genuinely seems like a luxury, as if you're playing with life. Like, you should always have the next plan. Like, what's your plan after this? What's your plan after that? Like, oh my word. You know, mm. it's, definitely. it's an issue. I've, I've spoken about this a little bit in previous episodes where it is a luxury to be able to come home and take a beat mm. and think about things, um, for sure. I sort of have done the same where I'm like, oh, I just need to go home and take a beat. But my taking a beat has been really productive. Like, while yeah. I've been taking a beat and figuring things out, I've been fully employed, mm. doing all of these things, still feeling pressure. Like, mm. I've never just sat down and been like, yeah. I'm going to, you know, backpack in some mountains <laughs> and figure some stuff out because mm-hmm. that's that's such a privilege to be able to do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Or try tell your parents that you want to start a travel blog. So I'm gonna backpack up the mm-hmm. mountains to Soul Search, <laughs> and I need you to give me a thousand dollars to <laughs> I do, do that. It. I'll come home as well. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's it is crazy. But yes, mm-hmm. anyway, guys, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for making the time and joining us and joining the little podcast family as we grow. <laughs> thank you so much. Do you have any last words? Um, well, I would say I think this was a very fruitful conversation, and I know. A lot of people uh, can relate. And thank you for having us and showing different perspectives. Mm. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having us, Kiza. Oh, Make you. sure you like, comment, and subscribe <laughs> to This Economy. Shout out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. There's no need for an outro. Thank you. <laughs> And that is the episode. A huge shout out and big thank you once again to my guests, Mandy, Chipo and Tatenda for making the time to sit down and candidly sharing your views and experiences. I really appreciate it. And I love being able to create a platform for people, for young people where we can be vulnerable um, and also very honest about some of our experiences under the current circumstances and especially being able to create content that you can relate to as the listener. So thank you so much. I appreciate all the love and support and engagement. Once again, please do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jeka on Twitter. So you can share your views. And of course, let's keep the conversation going. I will see you next week.